Good evening. Just want to thank everybody for being here this evening. I'm not going to steal anybody's stories. I'm going to introduce. I'm going to let everybody share. I've asked them to share how the trip impacted them and then gave them a short little assignment on part of the trip to talk about. So hopefully they will share from their hearts. And, I, and I'm going to have a prayer before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I just ask that you use these team members just the way you did in Haiti. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Take away their timidness. Take away their nervousness. Just flow through them. Let their mouths just be an open vessel to share what you would want to share. Our purpose here is to glorify you in that alone. And we ask this in your Son's holy, precious name. As you all know, we, we got to spend Easter in Haiti. The amazing thing was, I, I thought, and Dave will share on the church service, but I thought that would be a huge spectacle. But it really wasn't, because Easter is not, not to say that it's not special, but the Haitians have a little bit more of a reverence for church than we probably show here in the States. So more people don't show up just because it's Easter. You know, the... They show up every week. So I kind of expected something that I didn't get. But it was, it was kind of a blessing, too, that they don't show up twice a year for church. You know, they're, they're you know, week in and week out. Uh, I'm going to invite my son up first, uh, and he's going to share a little bit on our travel experiences. I think there's a picture Nice picture there. Uh, yeah, I'm supposed to talk about traveling. It Overall, it went very well, I think, uh, for Haitian traveling. It went really good. Uh, well, we left um, Thursday. Uh, I don't even know what time our flight was out. But we left St. Louis, and we went to Miami, spent the night there at whatever hotel. I don't even remember. But, uh, yeah, it's been like a week or so. I don't know. But, uh, no. We went to sleep, and we woke up, and, well, we were supposed to wake up at, like, 4 o'clock so we can get there, like, two hours early. But we ended up waking up at, like, 4.50 because Dad set the alarm for Sunday. <laughs> so we kind of woke up late, and it was really chaotic. And we missed our first, uh, what was it, shuttle, our first shuttle to the airport. So that was a little chaotic uh, beginning the trip to Haiti. Uh, we, got, we actually got to the airport, went through all that, and d didn't Haley, uh, didn't you lose your bag? She lost her bag as we got on the uh, airplane, and that was also chaotic. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we got to Haiti, and I was expecting the, I've been there like four or five times, like three or four times now, and uh, it's a lot different than it was, because they had the big earthquake and everything was destroyed. So I get there, and I'm like, usually we go down this little escalator, get on a bus, and then go to this like big room where they throw all the bags in a pile. But they actually had a real airport, so it was, it was really good. We... Uh, it was a uh, lot better than the big room where they just threw your bag in a pile and they actually had a conveyor belt that brought your bags around. So that went well. Then we went and got in our tap-tap, which is, is there, yeah, that's our tap-tap right there. See, it's like a, uh, uh, I don't even know, like a Ford Ranger with uh, two big uh, sheets of metal on it and the roof. And it's basically like a box, like a, like a paddy wagon, if you know what that is. Uh, it's but air gets in it, so it's okay. But uh, we rode that all week, and we fit our ten people in it. We had a, ten plus, yeah. We had our seven pastors go with us too. Just kidding, we only had three. But it got really crammed because Haitians they like see there's like one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then more people. Okay, so there's like seven people on there now. Haitians fit like 20 people on there, and that's crammed. That's crammed right there. So there's like no, there's no space at all. But it went, it went very well. We didn't get stuck in traffic. No, uh, 
no breaking down of vehicles. Our driver was actually reliable, which is, I mean, he was on time, so it, it worked well. He's a, he's a good guy. He plays bass at the church that we went to. And uh, Dad used him last time, didn't you? Yeah, for, for the last trip. So, I mean, it went, it went fairly well. On the way home, it, it got kind of, I, I, I started stressing because, like, I'm supposed to be back on Saturday. Because I've got a life to go to. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I, uh, we're sitting in the airport, and then all this rain and wet, bad weather comes, and I'm like, they keep delaying our flight. I'm scared. I want to go home and take a shower. No matter what, you could not get the dirt off your arm. <laughs> Haitian dirt is harder to get off than regular dirt. Just saying. Not really, I'm just kidding, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, we finally got home at like, what is it, 11 o'clock? Yeah, in St. Louis. We got, we got home to St. Louis at 11 o'clock. And about the whole delay thing with our planes at Fort Lauderdale ends up, we got delayed like twice, and we still had like a seven-hour layover in Dallas. So it took a while. But... Yeah, I mean it all worked out really well. It's a very good, uh, very good uh, transportation while we were there. It it all worked out very well. God blessed us in the way that we got to uh, travel, and I think we were only stuck in traffic once. And I mean that was in the middle of the day, like rush hour in Haiti, which is like always. But yeah, it got really chaotic because you're driving down the road, right? And if I haven't told you, Haitian traffic's really weird. See. You'll be driving this way, straight, and three cars will be coming at you, and we'll just go around you because, like, if you have a bigger car, then you get right away, unless you're a motorcycle, and then you just go do whatever you want. It doesn't really matter. But it's, it's really crazy. It really is. You feel like you're going to die. Ask anybody. Especially people who have been there, like, from their first time. They look out the window like, oh, I'm going to die. Please. No, but... uh. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. It was, a good, it was a good trip. Really good. All right, Rick, if you can get that first video ready, I'll just talk a little bit while he's doing that. Uh, it's a little odd Steve stands up here, and like he said, he's 16 and he's been to Haiti three times. Is it three or four? So, so we go from our veteran, and our next speaker will be Haley after this video, and Haley's only 14, so you go from our veteran at 16 to our rookie at 14, so Haley will be coming up to talk about the orphanage right after this video.
So I'm Haley Quinn, and this trip has really impacted my life a lot because I just realized how lucky I am to live here because, I mean, I first got there, and it was like just, oh, like, it was really beautiful, and I absolutely loved it. And um, I'm going to be talking about the time we spent at the orphanage, Wayam Tamun, and this little girl is Skye, and she was one of the little girls that I held a lot. But um, a lot of the girls, there were a lot of kids my age, and they all didn't want to come downstairs. So me and Kaylee McKinney, um, we got to go upstairs into their rooms and spend a lot of time with them, and it was awesome. And um, one of the things they wanted us to do a lot, David Higgs knows, um, they wanted us to sing for them all the time. Like, they had sheets with music on them up in their room, and it was just so cool because all the time, Shantae, Shantae, and that's what sing is in Creole. So, I mean, it was just a really great experience because I don't sing. I don't sing up in front of people. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> so it was different, but it was really interesting. And, yes, I lost my bag at the airport. I left it in security. It happens. Um, <laughs> so, um, but there were these two really special little boys that I just want to mention because if I had to pick favorites, they would be my favorites. And one's name was Augustine and one's name was Wilkins. And the night before we left, they were laying on top of me bawling their eyes out, saying, don't go, and it was just awful. Like, it was, it was a memory that I will remember, though, forever, because they were very, t- like, special little boys. And one of the things I thought was really cool about the orphanage was that Pastor Rigo, um, a couple of the girls came up to me and asked me if I was a princess, and I said no. And I was like, they were like, yes, you are. Every girl, Pastor Rigo says every girl at the orphanage is a princess. And I just thought that, like, touched my heart because he tells the girls that they're princesses and gives them love. And right when I walked in the door of the orphanage also, this little boy, not this tall maybe, came up to me and like hold me. And I mean, I'm a white girl and I'm like four foot taller than him. He has no idea who I am. And it just shows you that all those kids just want love. No matter who you are, where you come from, they just want love. And they're really amazing kids. And the time at the orphanage was awesome. All right, little Dave's next, and he's going to talk a little bit about the church services we went to. I'm little Dave. Um, The church service was kind of in those initial three days where um, it was a lot of stimulus and not much processing. It was right after the very chaotic travel, as Steve was talking about, and... um, I was still getting acclimated to Haiti. Um, I was sort of expecting the huge spectacle, like Mr. Big Steve was talking about. And, you know, even though the spectacle wasn't there, it was kind of a spectacle to see those people that are there all the time. You know, you know? I don't know why I just hiccup there. But um, uh, um, as far as our objective... The objective for the day was to um, perform two songs, one of which was a little shindig with our translator. As Steve can attest, um, he kind of drilled us for like five hours the day before, like practice. So, okay, so he says practice, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go up, we're going to run through the song, learn the chords. Three hours later, he's like, Okay, it's not perfect, but this should do. This should be okay. Um, So we went the next day, and um, things went swimmingly enough. Um, I'd say the music transcended the language barrier, which was a really cool thing. Um, And that kind of happened a lot throughout the trip, music just really transcending the language barrier. Um, And that's really all I have to say. Next on the list is my wife, Amy, and she's going to speak on her expertise, relationships. That is my expertise. I don't know if anybody have ever read Personality Plus. I'm a sanguine, and that means like to have fun, don't care about details. So don't ask me no details. I need to say that uh, this is my first time to Haiti. Steve's told me it's hot. He lied. It was not hot. 
There was a, it was about 90, but there was always a breeze, so I was like, this is nice. And then we went to bed, and it was hot. <laughs> there was <laughs> there were some people there that um, did was Judy Evans and her husband and another guy and a lady. And the husband and the guy did construction at the orphanage, and they had their power tools going. So then at night, since they weren't working, I figured they shut the electricity off or it went off or whatever. Or they didn't run the generator. So we had a fan, but it got hot. But um, it was a good trip. I need to say that for people that's been to Haiti and at the airport with the uh, people in the red shirts, there's guys with red shirts, and they'll come up and try to grab your luggage, and then they want you to pay them a dollar or whatever. they whatever. And uh, so we got through the airport, and I saw those guys, and they did help, and Steve paid them. And we got ready to go outside, and Steve went to find Winslow and Esther. I didn't tell anybody this. This is funny. Um, so we're walking outside, and I have a backpack on rollers. So I'm rolling it. No one tried to take it, which is fine. So we get across the street, and there's all these people. And we're going, and someone grabs my bag. And I, I love to have a camera and see my face because he looked at, I looked at him, and he, go, he had a red shirt. And he goes, it's okay. I'm with you. And I go, Winslow? He goes, Yes. <laughs> So he took my bag. I let him have it. But I thought, why did he wear a red shirt? <laughs> could have wore a blue shirt. But Anyway, so um, the one thing that impacted me at the orphanage, which this is kind of funny, too. I guess funny things happen to me. Um, Saturday, we were making little bracelets. Molly brought, and they had letters or whatever. And I, was, I went over to this kid. The little boy is about nine. said his name was Carlos. And he was making Carlos. And he was showing me, you know, C-A-R. Well, he was missing an S, so I said, I'll go find one. He spoke a little bit English. A lot of them speak a little bit English. So um, I went and looked and looked and looked, and I could not find one. I finally found one because they're all, like, hoarding them like they wanted to hide them or something. And uh, I found an S, and I go back, and I think someone had taken his bees. And he looks up at me, and he's crying. And I said, I had stopped and helped another kid, so I thought, this is probably my fault. So I went back, and I found every single letter, and I sat down with him and fixed his necklace, and then I tied it on him, and he, uh, I didn't tie it, right, because I'm not, you know, Haley and Kaylee were good at that, and he went outside, I guess, and it fell off, and a motorcycle or something ran over one of his letters, but it wasn't that bad, so he came back in, and we, we put it back on, and I said, Haley, come tie this, so he tied it, and then we were at church the next day, and he sought me out, and I said, he had a button-up, you know, collared shirt, and I said, do you have your necklace? And he's, like, digging around, and he showed it to me, and he introduced me to his two sisters. And, and uh, we get back to the orphanage, and, of course, we had to go out to the neighborhood but um, for several days. And Tuesday, I got sick, so I was home. home. I was at the orphanage throwing up, and that was not fun. <laughs> if you ever want to be sick, stay home. <laughs> I mean, I, I said, I love home. I don't want to be sick anywhere else, but... At that point in time, I didn't care. But anyway, uh, so the next day or whenever I thought about it, I was like, where's Carlos? I'm asking these kids, and they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And I finally remember when Winslow was there, I said, I want to find Carlos because it's almost time to leave, and I want to say goodbye. So he asked another kid, and they're talking in French. And Winslow goes, Carlos doesn't live here. I said, what do you mean Carlos doesn't live here? I helped him. He goes, he came to visit his godmother. So I made a friend, and I don't know where he lived, but he lived somewhere outside the orphanage, and there's so many kids, you don't get to know them. You know you know a few of them, but you don't. I was calling this one kid Carlos, and I think it was Jefferson. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were him, and why didn't you tell me? Which I'm sure he didn't understand me. But, but um, one last thing I want to say is uh, Steve had picked a little girl out, and her name was Danny, and uh, he said her mom was there. And so I... I said, I'm going to go find her one of these days. Well, I went to her, Danny's room, and I was trying to talk to Danny. She was upset or something. She didn't talk very much. She was like four. And her mom came in the room, and I was, we were trying to communicate, and she'd say something, and I'd say something. And there were some kids that spoke English. And I'm like, what's she saying? I can't understand her, and she can't understand me. And uh, they were like, I don't know. I think they didn't want to be the translator then, so they quit, you know. And so she just put her arm around me, and we both just sat there and laughed because we couldn't understand each other. But she knew that she was loved, and she'll always be in my heart. I was going to say that last story was was hard for my wife because Danny is up for adoption, even though her mother works at the orphanage. 
it's, it's one of those things her mother can't provide for the way she wants to. So, I mean, in the best interest of her daughter, she's put her up so she can live in this uh, orphanage. So. All right, moving on. Uh, if you guys can play the Quada Bouquet video, and then after that, Molly's going to come up and speak on our, our few days there. So for me, Quata Bouquet is what I probably enjoyed the most. I liked the time at the orphanage, but I was able to put a lot of work into even going before for the stuff at Quata Bouquet because I had volunteered and told Steve that I would do all the crafts for the kids for when we was doing the ministry there. Um, and then after he had took his trip, he came back and said, well, they want us to do some lessons. So he looked at me, he goes, you want to do one? I'm like, sure. So I was thinking I was being smart said I would go first because I'm like, I can get it done and over with, easy, good, you know. Well, we get there on Monday. We did two sessions on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then one on Thursday. 
And the pastor was supposed to go first, and then I was going to do the one in the afternoon. So I figured I could kind of get a feel and see how he did, too. Well, as soon as we get there, he's changed his mind. He's like, well, I'm not even speaking this morning. You guys are on. So Steve came and told me that, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, Which we had only figured I would need like 15 to 20 minutes worth of stuff anyway. So he's like, just do your thing. It'll be okay. So it went well. Very put on the spot, but it went well. Um, And then I think nobody else had to worry about doing theirs until Dave did one on Thursday morning before we left. So kind of learned being first isn't always the best thing sometimes. Um, The kids there, they were just so amazing. They weren't as easy to build the bonds with as the orphanage. It did take them a little bit while to get used to it a little bit more. But once they did... They were still right there with you. Um, one of my favorite days was Wednesday. We was doing their game time and stuff, and we just decided we'll take the soccer ball, just let them do whatever. Well, some of the older girls grabbed me, and they started teaching me their games, which we kind of had the language barrier, but they were very patient with me. Um, and they would show me, like, all these different games and stuff, and we was playing. And it was just great because I was able to be a part of their world. They was able to let me in and enjoy that with them. Um, the last day there was probably the hardest um, because you knew you wasn't going to be back there with them anymore. Um, the other thing that really stuck with me was the day that Little Day was doing the music with the kids. You know, they didn't understand the language, but he was over there just singing these really upbeat, happy tunes. And just doing his thing that he's good at doing, being kind of goofy, you know. And those kids were just circled around him and just laughing the whole time. Which we all were, too, because we was enjoying the show we was getting also. But, you know, these kids, it didn't matter. It was just that he was there, you know, putting everything forth for them. And they was just able to love it. Um, The thing I've got the most out of this... You know, I had talked several times with Matt about doing other mission trips, and I would always kind of make excuses. Well, you know, the girls are so little, I really shouldn't go. Um, I'm finishing graduate school, really shouldn't leave school, you know. And then when Steve had came to me and asked, you know, what do you think about going to Haiti? We had talked about stuff. And, you know, I finally was like, I can keep making all the excuses in the world and not do this. But I knew that I was being called to go somewhere and I am so blessed that it was Haiti, because when we was heading in the floor at Fort Lauderdale waiting for our flight, I looked at Steve and I go, you know, I feel very guilty for saying this, because I feel like I'm betraying my family. But if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't come back. I could have stayed there and just continued to work with those children and do the work there, because those people are so easy to love. Um, So I've been blessed, and I look forward to hopefully going back many more times to be able to do work with them. Thank you. Well, I can tell you it was was nice for somebody else to say that. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure we won't get a picture up here, but... And I, and I know how it is when you sit out there and you see picture after picture, and you don't know them, and they fly by. But there's one little girl at Quad Bouquet that just every picture just jumps out at me. Her name is Woslin. She's nine years old. And her father is a farmer. They live in the house right next to the, the church site. And he doesn't farm at Quad Bouquet. He farms in the mountains. So he travels and is gone for weeks at a time. And this nine-year-old girl raises her two younger children. And it just boggles your mind. Every, every day when we would pull up, she would be carrying buckets of water from the pump back to her house. And it, I mean, it, just, it boggles my mind that a nine-year-old girl would have that much responsibility. And apparently doing a wonderful job at it. Uh, Big Dave's up next. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm mistaken. Andrea's up next. And I'm not even going to share anything that Andrea has to say.
hardest part for Molly was leaving. The hardest part for me was the first day I arrived. We're going through the city, and it's it's just in bad, bad array. Real, the kids are in the streets. There's trash all around, and these little kids are trying to survive. And the smell would just take your breath away. And it just so touched my heart that the Lord just broke me. Jim and I have 18 grandkids. They're fed very well. They have clothing. They have socks and shoes. These little babies get me. And the Lord just really broke me. And when we got to the orphanage, little David, let me tell you, a child can comfort an adult because he healed me uh, because of what I saw. Um, if you could have seen those kids come up on us, it would have just broke your heart. You would have wanted to have fed them, give them cold ice water. I had that thing of water. They'd go, mmm, yum, 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 and I'd give them water. And it'd, mm, 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 mm. They wanted more. But that's just the, a little thing I wanted to share with you before I begin. Uh, for me, uh, it was on uh, Wednesday, and um, we had been out. They call it the mission field. I call it the bush people. It, it, it's not what you think a mission field is. It's literally the bush where we went to. Uh, Wednesday night, me and three teenagers were in the bathroom where they were getting the trash to take it out. And I don't know if you can see, but up here uh, there's uh, pictures of the bathroom. And I had asked Kaylee to take pictures. I didn't know I was going to share the bathroom with you guys. But it's where I fell. And uh, there's an old green rug. And I would take that rug and try to walk and pick up the water. And uh, you'll see buckets. Those buckets are what we took baths with, and that's what we flushed the bathroom with. In one of the buckets, you'll see a cup. That's how we took our bath, bucket bath. But me and the girls were coming out of the bathroom, and I stepped down, and the girls were behind me. I slid on water, and I fell. And when I fell, I hit just I hit when I fell down. And you can see the rug. That's where I tried to clean the water and stuff before we went in. And the bucket. And uh, anyways, when I fell, now it's a God thing, let me tell you. Uh, little girls are trying to help me up, and I'm like, no, 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 please don't touch me, don't touch me. So uh, David and the guys all came in, big David and Steve and them came into the bathroom, and they helped me up got me in this white chair. Now the Lord has a plan for me. He planned this whole trip because the doctor's in this orphanage. Oh yeah, I thought a doctor in the orphanage, that's only God would give me the best, right? And she told him my arm was broke. So they've got me in this white chair and they have to carry me down the steps. And the first flight of steps looks like chicken wire. You know, and these guys are trying to take, carry me, this white chair, down these steps that have these big holes like wires. And I could hear them talking to me, you know, and they were just saying, now, Andrew, you owe us. You know, don't think you're going to get used to this, you know. So we came to another flight of steps, and I go, guys, just let me out, and I'll butt scoot. I'll scoot down that, at the next set of flight of stairs. They go, no, because you'll probably break a bone. <laughs> so we're going to carry you on out. They carried me out to a pickup truck. Now remember, they're taking me to the emergency room. And I'm still in this white, uh, this white uh, lawn chair. They put me in a pickup truck, put me up at the cab up. And this is what I rode to the emergency room in. And I heard, I think it was Rob saying, do we need to take a rope and tie her in? <laughs> you know, now remember, I got this broken arm, and all I could remember is Molly, Molly, please, Molly, don't come with me, Molly. And she goes, okay, Andrea, I'll, I'll, I'll not leave you, I'll not leave you. 
I go, Molly, please get my Bible. That's the air I breathe. I've got to have my Bible. Molly goes, I'll get it, Andrea. And she did. Me and Molly are in the back of that truck. And I go, pray, Molly, please pray. Let me tell you, if there's a prayer warrior, it's Molly. And not only that, I say, Molly, please sing. Please sing to me. And what does she sing but amazing grace? You know, the whole time she's with me, she's praying and she's singing. And I'm not in any pain. And uh, we go on to the hospital, which was this big old gate. They have to hump to get us in because it's locked or something. We get in and we get to the emergency room, which looks like shower curtains. It's been cut in strips. We go through that. We get in the emergency room, and there's this tin roof. And it's not real clean. And I'm like, Molly, please pray. And she would. You talk about a faithful sister in Christ that Molly is, let me tell you. She would pray for me. And then the two nurses would come up to me. Now, this is nurses talking to me and Molly. They go, the Lord has a plan. You're here for a reason. And I'm like, oh, they're telling me this. You know, the Lord has this all stepped out for you. So me and Molly are there, and this man literally comes in with his finger cut off. His finger's gone. And the nurses are looking for ice. And Molly goes, well, we had brought, she had brought some ice for me from the orphanage. Ice is like gold over there, people. The emergency room does not have ice because it's expensive. Molly had it in a washcloth for me to wet my mouth and my forehead and, and the top of my head. And she goes, well, I have some ice. So the nurse took the ice. The nurse comes back over to where Molly and I are at. And she goes, this is something that the Lord has planned. You just save that man's finger and we can reattach it. Oh, yeah. See how the Lord had that plan? I was going to hurt my arm. He had it all planned on the way. That ice that Molly gave them saved that man's finger to where they could reattach it. So we go on and on, and we go into the uh, x-ray room. Oh, air conditioning. Oh, my gosh. Me and Molly are just, <laughs> you know. And uh, they're doing x-rays. And one girl is from Dixon, Illinois. And the two nurses are going, you know, the Lord has a plan for you. There's something... This is all being planned in advance. More is going to come uh, forward from this uh, uh, fall. So anyways, we did the x-rays and everything. and uh, Then we go back to the emergency room, and they're going to give me morphine. I can't take morphine, people. I see things when you give me morphine. You know, please don't give me morphine. And so they're going, okay. So they're giving me a, a prescription. Steve takes it across the street. Molly's still standing with me. She's still praying and singing Amazing Grace. So Steve goes to get the script. Well, they don't have it or something over there. And Steve happens to look at it. Oh, three months prior, the Lord had given Steve this prescription for pain. And he just, by God's will, put it in his suitcase. Now, why do you think that? Because the Lord knew I was going to need that medication. And not only that, in two, Molly wise. Molly, I need uh, uh, ibuprofen. I have a leave, yo. So the Lord provides me ibuprofen, a full bottle, a full bottle of ibuprofen. This all happened on a Wednesday. So anyways, we get back to the room, and I'm laying down, and Jim calls while I'm trying to rest. And Steve comes in, and he goes, now, Andrea, to evaluate this or assess it, he's telling me, you know, we might have to send you home. And if I do, I'll have to send somebody with me. I'm like, oh, no, you don't. You don't do that. First, you got to pray. And he goes, okay, then I'll pray. And I go, that's good because I'm going to pray. The Lord knows my heart, so my prayer is going to go right up above yours. <laughs> you know? And the Lord did, let me tell you, because the next morning we go to this uh, Haitian doctor, this bone specialist about my arm. And he wanted to do uh, something else came up with my arm. And Steve knows, and I didn't share it, and I asked Steve not to until I got home. He's a God man. He didn't because this uh, uh, spot is uh, uh, not normal. And he's saying it's a cyst. He wants to do a biopsy of it. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I thought, now, Lord, 
he had me to have this accident to show me I thought something else wrong with me because it didn't hurt or anything. So anyway, we go on and Steve and I are in the car and we go back to the um, uh, to the orphanage and we stay for the day and I'm praying, you know, and, and, and I feel bad because, you know, I'm like, Lord, I'm not helping. I'm not on the team. They were too short. Me and Steve weren't there. Let me tell you, they had a hundred kids one day. You know, you can't be one short, let alone being too short. And the Lord was just, I'm just, oh Lord, you know, I'm complaining. I'm really complaining because I'm not where I should be. But the Lord showed me I was where I should be because I was to pray for them. That was important that I pray for, for the team. And I did. Well, that night, the next day, no, i got to share this with you. That night, uh, I'm in the bed, and, oh, I'm hurting. This time, I'm really, thank you, Donnie, I'm watching. I'm, I'm really, really hurting. And I go, Molly, please, Molly, help me, Molly, please. I go, get that Steve. I've got to go to the emergency room. And she goes, what is it? And I told her about my arm. She gave me a couple ibuprofen. So I laid back down. Let me tell you, people, these people in Haiti, in, in, uh, Haiti they worship all night and all morning long. You know, 2 o'clock in the morning, they're still worshiping and singing and praising. That blessed me because I miss church. I miss you guys so bad. And I'm like, Lord, oh, what I would be to be in church. And the Lord let me experience this one time before. As I'm going to sleep, I'm here with you guys on Wednesday night. Oh, we had the best service. I saw so many of you. I saw Wilbur Reed, Pat Wright, Kathy, all of you people. And, and, and we're having the best service. And the Lord's just blessing me. And I'm not in pain, you know. These, these Haitians are singing and all this. And, and I'm just really blessed that night. So I didn't miss church service Wednesday night. I was here listening. But the next day, uh, it was time Thursday to go back out in, in the bush, I call it. And Steve goes, Andrew, you get to go. And I'm like, I never would. You know, there was no doubt I wasn't going. But he goes, you get to go. And so I needed a shirt. You've got to remember, if you see this Haitian arm, this cast up here, this doctor's got it way out here, and I can't get any of my socks on. But Rob's there, Steve's brother. He goes, Andrew, I've got a shirt. It's dirty. He had wore it the day before. Let me tell you, I put that shirt on and it smelled just fine. Because then I got to go to the bush with them out in the field. And Big David and them, they all had it planned when I got out there. Uh, Rob and Steve, I sat next to the barbed wire fence because that way the little kids couldn't hit me. Because if you hit my arm, that's when it hurt. So the pastor's up there, Mel Sharon. And the little kids are all turning around at me. Oh, Mrs. Andrea, we're so happy to see you, Mrs. Andrea. Because, see, that helped them, too, to see me, that I was okay. But uh, there again, the Lord really blessed me. And then every night, Steve gave us a scripture to, to read and, and, and uh, to study on. So the night, Wednesday night that this happened, this was the scripture that Steve had, and this really was for me. It's Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. God is good. That's all I could say is God is good. And uh, I, I want to say thank you to this body of people for allowing me to go. And uh, I was blessed, and so by me being blessed, we were able to bless others. And that's all because of you and, and, and the heart that you have for the mission field. You know, that's where it all starts is we have to be prayed, prayed up, and, it, and the mission field is, uh, the mission here at church is, and you, the body, allowed us to go on this trip. And I want to say thank you very much for that. And God bless each and every one of you.
how in the world anybody's supposed to follow that, I don't have a clue, but I'm, I'll do my best. When I hear the details of, of that whole story, I immediately think of Ruth chapter 2, where it says she happened upon the field of Boaz, that totally ironic statement. There's nothing happenstance about that. There was nothing about this incident that was happenstance. God had it, and it was, it was kind of amazing to watch. Um, my experience at the beginning of the trip was a little bit different because, as you pointed out, the difference between church. I had to be here for the Sunday everybody shows up. I had to be here for Easter Sunday. And so I flew down on Monday, Sunday and Monday. And uh, so the beginning of the week was a little different. Um, the, and the step two in making a plan in Haiti, step one is make the plan. Step two is scrap the plan. So the whole week was kind of different every day. But something really, really cool happened the last night we were there. Pastor Luma came and uh, sat down, and I, he was to my left, and Steve's to my right, and across is Winslay, and Rob is there. And he's just, we're just kind of evaluating the week, and uh, uh, because there were a lot of challenges that came, and a lot of adjustments that kind of had to be made on the fly, as you would expect. And so a lot of talk, and he speaks almost just a word or two in English, so it's kind of slow going back and forth. And so we talked about the week, and then we talked about uh, you know what comes next. They have no structure. Uh, if, when you start learning about the majority of the church in Haiti, no, no pastor of any respect or dignity would meet under a mango tree, and that's where they're meeting, which speaks to me of, of Pastor Luma's humility in the beginning. Um, and then something very interesting happened, because if you've been to Haiti at all and you've interacted with the culture, you, understand, you cannot think like an American when you're dealing with the Haitian people. They value different things. David Shirey, a missionary there the last time, told me a story that illustrates what the, particularly the, the poorer culture in Haiti values. There was a pastor, and this is back right after the earthquake, there was a pastor that was dealing with Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham's ministry, and was getting the blue tents that you saw in the news, and you, saw, you still see areas where there's a lot of those. And um, he was a distribution point for these tents that were supposed to be given away to the people. Well, it was found out that he was selling the tents, not giving them away. And Samaritan's Purse immediately pulls the tents. Well, the people didn't get mad at him. They got mad at Samaritan's Purse because cleverness is valued. So you have to kind of, you can't, you have to kind of watch and be very careful. Uh, so at the end of the week, Pastor Luma, we're doing the evaluation. We're talking about construction. And then he opens a folder and he says, I'd like to talk about money. I glance over at Steve and we're immediately thinking the same thing. Here we go. Um, because it starts off, you gave him $200 at the beginning of the week, right? For $500 expenses. See, I thought it was two. That makes it even better. Um, um, he, 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 um, he got the money at the beginning of the week, and he had some receipts, and he said, you know, he, he went down. He had a pretty meticulous, what looked like a pretty meticulous accounting of what had been spent, and then he mentioned that some things had been stolen. The man that you mentioned that farms in the, in the mountains uh, allows the Pastor Loma and the, and the men to use his house as a kind of a storage place. Well, some things had been stolen during the week. Um, they were feeding the children almost every day we were there. We were feeding the children, and some of the food was stolen. So, and after the fact, we said we were thinking the same thing. He's about to tell us some things were stolen. I had to pay for it out of my pocket. I need another $75. I need another $100. So... Um, I can feel Steve's eyes rolling to, to my right, uh, expecting what's coming. And he gets down, he goes down the list of everything that happened and what expenses and what was stolen and what had to happen. And then he hands an envelope in the, in the folder where all of the notes are. He hands an envelope and says, and here's $150 back that was not used. That doesn't happen in Haiti. That, that's remarkable. And what that means is, as hopefully we continue to partner with this because they have nothing to build a church with, they, they have nothing in Quadabouquet, nothing. Uh, and not even do they have nothing, they're kind of scant on the, the men's side because they're either gone, absent, or they're gone working. Like the guy, was it Rosalind? Rosalie's father. Um, so we found a man, we found a pastor, we found a Haitian that we can trust. And that's a remarkable, remarkable thing. So it was, it was considering... You know, what's been experienced and the culture and what you run into all too often. I think you said that was your high point for the week. That, so that was, that was a remarkable moment. And the really cool moment for me was, as I saw that, and he said, and here's $150, I look over at Steve. It doesn't happen very often, but Steve's eyes were like this. And I looked over, and immediately he says, you keep this. 
you use this as God's as you, God leads you and your men. You you use this as you see fit in the ministry. And I looked at Pastor Luma, and Pastor Luma's eyes got big because he didn't expect that either. So it was a really it was a it was a good moment to witness trust being established and understanding that we're on the same page. We have the same goal, and we you know we found someone that we can trust to partner with. Because when you're not dealing, particularly when you're not dealing with an established organization that's already there, like mission boards and things like that, it can be difficult to find people you can trust. And I think God has given us a man in Pastor Luma. Um, I haven't heard that chance to hear him speak to the church like on Sunday morning, but I heard him teach to the children. I saw him work. I saw his heart. I saw what I think some of his priorities are. And I think he's a a man of God with the right heart uh, for the work that's going on there in Haiti. So that was a good moment to watch and end the week on. All right. Now, real quickly, because I can see the clock and we're a little over, I've got a few uh, pictures of the building site. Future goals. Here's what I see uh, myself and hopefully Dorisville partnering with in the future. As Dave mentioned, and I think some other people mentioned, uh, Pastor Luma's church meets under a mango tree, which is a wonderful tree, provides immense shade, except during the rainy season. And when the wind's blowing, because you get hit in the head with mangoes, and we got that one day. Uh, so if you can pull up the ones that say building or building site, something along that line. Uh, we'll just run through, and it'll give you some pictures of a site. Uh, my plan, and I shouldn't say my plan, the plan that I feel God leading me to do. Uh, I want to go back in July and, and work on building a foundation for their church. Uh, Pastor Luma has expressed interest in building a 30 by 30 structure. Uh, this is pretty much the side, it's a little to the left where it will be. Uh, I've been in contact with IBSA, they've built a similar structure in Vigorad and Damier. Uh, they spent $18,000 to build a structure. To me, that's a tremendous amount of money, and I think we can probably do it for less than that. But uh, in figuring up first phase of the trip, putting a rock foundation and support, probably about $3,000 worth of materials. So just to condense it real, real smoothly and shortly and briefly, Uh, In July, I plan to go back and dig and lay a foundation. In October, I'm going to go back and and put up block walls. And probably first of the year, we're going to go back and finish with the trusses and the tin. As I say, I don't want to presume that upon anyone, but that's what God's leading me to do. And if, if we can find a way to do it in a partnership, that's wonderful. I feel either way, God's going to get it done. So... Once again, I I don't want to sound like I'm presuming that on anybody, but that's what I feel led to do. Uh, Like I said, we're we're running over time. uh, And I know this could turn into a crazy thing, but does anybody have a question, something that's just tearing at their heart that they just need to know? And then I'll I'll close it. Yes, Robin. What were church services like? In Quadabouquet or in... Uh, tremendously different between the large established church and and the small church in Quadabouquet. Uh, in in the village uh, in Village Solidarity, where Pastor Rigo has his church, probably about a thousand people. I mean, very nicely dressed, very prim and proper. In Quadabouquet, it's very unhaitian like. They accept people in shorts. They accept. You know, things like that, which is completely out of the culture. That was one of the things that David was alluding to. Pastor Luma breaks from Haitian tradition, and it's, it's hard to find that. Does that kind of answer? Anybody else? Uh, future trip, the July trip. In comparison to this trip, this trip was the greatest trip I've ever been on. Uh, I I tried to build it up to the people that went and telling them how hard it was going to be, how difficult it was going to be, and as my wife said, I lied. It it was a wonderful trip. Uh, Going to Haiti in July and digging a foundation and building building a rock structure, 
is going to be miserable. I mean, it just is. Uh, but that being said, take this in the, in the way that I mean it, maybe not in the way it comes out. Sometimes I come across a little differently than what I feel on the inside. I am not looking forward to going to Haiti and building a structure. But I feel that's what God's calling me to do, so that's what I'm going to do. Like I say, I'm not looking forward to going going to Haiti in July and digging and, and carrying rocks and mixing concrete with a shovel on the ground. and Very hard, very rough work. By the way, if you're interested in going, let me know. <laughs> this, this will be a, a trip that will test you physically and mentally. But as you saw from the team, uh, it, it could change your life. It could change your life. All right. You guys got anything you want to add, people from the team? Dwayne, do you want to close? Steve. Yes. I want to thank everybody that's on this team to help her with her wedding and to be up on the side. Thank you. We are very grateful for what God is doing in Haiti. And I want to tell you, this time next Sunday night, I will not be here. Um, I'm preaching a little bit sooner in the message Sunday morning. And as soon as that's over, I'm leaving. I'm actually missing a meal at Dorisville. We're going to drive about six hours north up near the Wisconsin border. And I'll be sharing with an association up there about missions. And I'll be very glad to report um, what you have heard tonight, what's happening in Haiti and our involvement there, and what's happened in Uganda and what's happening in Nicaragua. And it's going to be my privilege to share. And we're going to be preaching and sharing what God is doing. They are, they are trying um, to involve themselves in missions. This association, of course, a whole different world, as you know, up north. And so I'll be very excited. You'll be well represented next week as far as sharing what God is doing. I'm grateful we have stories to tell. Amen? We have stories to tell. It's cool that we don't have to say, I remember when we are seeing acts happen Right here, right here. You know, planting churches, starting churches, and, and going and doing. And that's what the early church did. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and be dismissed. Paul, thank you for what we've heard tonight. Thank you for what you are doing around the world and in hard places and easy places. And uh, thank you, Father, that uh, your son Jesus is the light of the world. And it's the good news that we need to share, that he loves every person, every nationality. And we're grateful for that. Um, Father, thank you for the journey we are on together and for the different parts of the world that we are touching. And Father, I think it's going to get bigger before it gets smaller. I really believe there are other areas that you want to use us in. And um, Father, I'm blown away each time we receive an offering. I'm blown away, Father, when I see what you do financially through our church. And I'm incredibly grateful to be a part of that. Thank you for what we've heard. Um, Thank you, Father, for Steve and his leadership. Um, Father, we look forward uh, to uh, Nicaragua in May. Father, as more of our folks... Um, Go out, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we thank you for taking good care of Andrea, um, even, Father, through this. And we do see your hand working. And it just shows um, so excellently your sovereignty and how all things work together for good. Those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Father, we pray for a good night's rest. We pray, Father, as we go out into the schools and where we work, that we will sing the right song tomorrow. May it be a song of how great is our God. And, Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.